Good evening, folk. I would like to thank again, thanks David and um, Vision Church, again for allowing me to do the Friday night devotional. I want to um, look at the, um, in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. And I'll open up in prayer. Father, we come before you and I just thank you for tonight, for this opportunity to share your word. I just ask you, Lord, just to help help me to, to preach this and to help others to understand it and get some fruit from this. Lord Jesus, we need a time of strengthening, Lord. So bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to look at the, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. And the book of James is usually um, part of the general epistles. And you can find that just before the book of Revelation and after the book of Hebrews. It's a class as a general epistle where, where in the other epistles like the Paul's writing, um, that was kind of aimed at the church, where these general epistles are aimed at us as individuals. So, the epistle of James was the first book written of the New Testament, and it was written by Jesus' half-brother, James, between AD 45 to 50. Also, another brother of Jesus was Judas, also known as Jude, who wrote the epistle of Jude. Though James was brought up in a household of siblings, in Matthew 13, verse 55 to 56, it says here, It's not this the carpenter's son, is it not his mother called Mary, and his brethren James, and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? And James and his brother Jude wasn't converted when Jesus was alive on earth, but it was after when he had rose from the dead. And 1 Corinthians 15 lists the time when Jesus visited various people and groups after his resurrection. But in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7 it says, After that he has seen he, he was seen by James, then of all the apostles. And this was probably the, the time that James realised who his brother was. I wonder what it would have been like to have been like to grow up with Jesus in a big family of brothers and sisters. Would Jesus have to do the hoovering, the washing up? or run to the corner shop for milk and bread. I'm sure he would. That's what living a normal life is all about. Then later, in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, they were up in the upper room with the disciples and Jesus' brothers and his and Mother Mary were present. And this was when they believed he was the Son of God. And in Acts 2, was the was the beginning of the church 
where James himself became an overseer of the first Christian church in Jerusalem. So as I read through the book of James and I see other times in the New Testament, I see a man who wrote with great authority. And also James was a straight talker and wasn't messing about with his words in this book. So let's read this, um, these verses um, before I forget. <laughs> um, um, book of James, verses 1 to 12. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various troubles, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all, all men liberally, and upbraid, upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave in the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And let the brother of low degree rejoice in that, in that he is exalted. But the, rich ma but the rich in that he is made low because of the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning, burning heat, but with the, the, the withereth the grass and the flower thereof faileth and the grace of the fashion of, of it shall perish so shall the rich man fade away in his ways and blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life and which the Lord hath promised to them that love him So firstly, verse 1, here, just quickly look here, um, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, James here is calling him a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He isn't calling himself a brother of Jesus, the Son of God, but a servant who, who easily could have been, been able to brag about this. But James is humble. So who are the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad? These are Jewish Christians scattered around the Mediterranean in the Roman Empire through the dispersions caused by 
persecution under Herod and Agrippa. And Jesus had easy access to these Christians with people travelling back to Jerusalem um, to celebrate various uh, feasts. So James is addressing these Christians who are suffering persecution, discrimination and issues with the Judaizers. They are they were Jews and Gentiles who kind of followed the, the messianic the messianic law of Moses. And this letter sets practical instructions on how to live out their faith during during various trials. So the book of James is sometimes called the book of Proverbs of the New Testament, where it lists these kind of in practical instructions for us. So let's look at um, our, our first point here. Um, God strengthens us as we endure various trials or troubles in verses 2 to 4. My brethren, count it a joy when you fall into various troubles in verse 2. In our Christian walk, we are either enduring troubles, coming out of trouble, or entering into some kind of trouble. It be could be called as a as a various uh, a vicious cycle, but we as Christians need the mindset of counting it as a joy. Do you find it hard to count it for count it a joy when you are enduring various troubles or trials? Time, sometimes these troubles can come at a time when we are high on our walk with the Lord. And suddenly, these troubles come in our way. Even if you're a new believer, it can be tough going through certain times, being hurt, mistreated by family members, friends, and even unbelievers. But in some places around the world, when you become a Christian, you're, some, some Christians their parents will insist that you give up your faith, your faith, because it could demote these parents in their job or even lose their job. And in some countries it could um, dishonour your family and even dishonour the country where you live. And these things can bring us down. They can bring us, make us despondent, discouraged. And when we are worn out, but we need to remember that God is in control of these situations. You see in verse 3, it says here, Knowing that testing of your faith produces patience. We need to be patient and let God do his work through these times of troubles and trials. Where patience comes through our faith. We read in, in Paul's message to the Thessalonians, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, it reads, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Just like us, the Thessalonians, they suffered through persecution and trials. Just like them, 
we know that God is using our trials for our good and more importantly for his glory. You see, if we have patience and faith, it will strengthen us and if uh, it will strengthen us as we endure troubling trials. We need to remember that God hasn't disappeared from us and forgotten us because in his perfect timing he will he will relieve us from our time of tribulation trials so how do we grow how do we grow in patience and faith it's through reading the bible in romans 10 verse 17 it says so then faith cometh cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And in Romans 15 verse 4, it says here, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. See, the more, the more we read our Bible, the more we study it, the more we know God, we know God and, and his ways. It's, it gives us, the more we go in his word, the more we study it, the more we know him, it gives us a maturity. Even when we go through trials, and it gives us a confidence, a confidence that God is in control. And this is what verse 4 tells us of James. It tells us that, but patience have her perfect work. This patience gives us the endurance so that we are consistent as mature Christians. And the end of the verse concludes that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And our second point. God strengthens, strengthens us with, with wisdom if we ask as we overcome troubling trials in verses 5 to 8. If you look down at these verses, look at verse 5. It says, if you are lacking wisdom in these troubles, come to God and he will help liberally. God is generous. And he will upbraideth, upbraideth not, or without reproach in your Bible version. Upbraid, upbraid not is such an important word because God isn't going to scold me for coming to him for help. I could illustrate like this. Um, I could come to, before God and says, and ask him for help, and God could go, Peter, it's not you again. You're always coming to me in times of trouble. Why do you bother me? Or it could be like with um, Pastor David last week when he was looking for, for a bus and God isn't going to say, 
to David that you're looking for a boss at this time. But God isn't going to scold him as he pleaded for help to get the bus for the baptisms. You see, God listens and it will be given. You see, through the work of Jesus shedding blood on the cross, cleansing our sins, we can come before God in prayer, no matter what, how good or bad we are, this is the gospel. In verses 6 to 8, it tells us in verse 6, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven by, driven with the wind and tossed. We are to come to God and ask in faith, not wavering, not doubting, because God in, in verse God says in verse seven, you won't receive anything from God if you doubt. And in verse eight, this person is double minded, he's still doubting and still unstable spiritually with what's going on. And this can happen in our walk with the Lord. We can have doubts. Like the ocean, it could be nice and calm, not wavering. But doubts come in. And these niggles of doubt come in and the waves of the ocean are tossed about in the wind. Just like Abraham and Sarah, heroes of the faith in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses um, verse 11 and verse 17. And also remember in, in Genesis um, chapter 17 and chapter 18 where, where both Abraham and Sarah laughed. They doubted God because of their old ages they couldn't conceive a child. But afterwards through faith they believed and God still used them as they overcome the doubts in a mighty way and Sarah gave birth to Isaac and Abraham became the father of the nation Israel and his descendants were numerous as the stars. So if you're a new believer or you're just struggling in your walk of the Lord, lacking faith, ask the Lord for wisdom and trust him to deliver you to, de de to deliver you and see what's best for you. And that strength of wisdom will bring about a confidence, a maturity that will align your prayers with his purpose and your life. So you can come to God. You can say, God, I know you, God. I know you of the word. I read the word and I know you're there. I know what you did with Job, with the devil. I knew you were there for him and you lead him from his troubles. So God will answer and strengthen you. And our third point, God strengthens us spiritually, 
if we depend on him rather on worldly ways or wealth in verses 9 to 12. James here is dealing with dignity with the different classes of Jew Jewish Christians having different wealth, being of low degree, a person of humble circumstances, or being rich in prosperity. In verse 9, James is telling us that, that the person of low degree is that being rich means nothing to them, and in verse 10, that the rich person is humble because they know that money means nothing to God because it can easily be lost and become and they could become a person of low degree. Somebody of low degree is not is kind of um, what we would describe as um, a working man. A working man kind of not somebody of, of, of I don't know um, it's a kind of working man kind of blue collar kind of person. But James illustrates in verse 11 with the sun rising, with the sun rising that withers the grass and the flower of it falls, falls off and the grace of the fashion of it perishes, meaning a beautiful appearance of the flower will perish, just like the rich man fades away in the ways of wealthy interests. I get this and I get this illustration. I get this because I'm not wealthy, but at times I get envious of people with money. And I think about it. They have wealth, power and status. They have that big house. They have that fancy car. And life seems easy for them. And I continue thinking and I know these things mean nothing to God. But... I'm not materialistic because my living for Jesus would be distracted by chasing these possessions to satisfy my life. I know people who own the latest gaming console like the Xbox or the PlayStation and they get in such a frenzy with the latest game coming out. They come out in cold sweats. They can't sleep till that game comes out. And I've even heard people queuing outside shops for days to get this game. Do you think, do things like this give you purpose to live? What is your material possessions? What if your material possessions were gone? What would be left? Don't compromise because waste wealth fades. So keep your focus on the Lord and depend on him and he will strengthen you spiritually in patience and faith. And if you keep in his word, the Bible, and study the Bible, and know the Lord personally through prayer, God will bless you. And as we finish in 
verse 12, it says here, Blessed is the man that endureth troubles, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And if you endure these times of trials and troubles, you shall receive the crown of life, not here on earth, but when you enter heaven. Receive an eternal life and live in with God forever. Amen. That would be amazing to live with God forever. So just thank you for hearing this message and just want to say it was great to be at the baptism baptisms last week and it was to me it really brought to me I often I often can you can often go to a, a Lord's Supper quite often but it's not often you go to a baptism and these baptisms were really really New Testament church they were really raw and when you hear the stories going on in the background you can see the kind of different kind of spiritual warfare that's going on it was such a, a great experience to to watch and just to to see these testimonies of people changing their lives so it's an opportunity if you come to know the lord and in the future you can have a time of having the baptism and witnessing and sharing what the Lord has done for you. So thank you.